You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. Hello, my name is Andy Baskin. His name is Daryl Ryder. Daryl, hello to you. Good morning. Hello, hello. All right. Uh, another week of Browns football has passed, and another week uh, is here upon us, and big news, or at least it looks like big news, Deshaun Watson will have his 24th uh, person put into the civil system as they will drop another lawsuit on him. Uh, this week and or, or maybe have already happened by the time you're listening to this. Um, I'll just again, I said this last week and it just it's becoming noise in the background um, and trying to figure out a lot of these things that are going on with Deshaun and his legal issues all off the field. And what is next and what is the league going to do and, you know, what's going to happen here or there. So uh, let's just let's start there and then we're going to play this clip from Rusty Harden, who was on our sister station in Houston. So uh, let's just start there, Daryl. Your thoughts on where we are with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, uh, other than whatever uh, fresh allegations might be uh, filed in civil court, I don't necessarily think anything uh, changes all that much. The real question becomes if he – you know, if this impacts the league's timeline, right? Uh, because the commissioner most recently said that they were getting close to wrapping up the investigative process and then things moving into the, uh, you know, summary phase and then the disciplinary phase uh, after that. So, you know, whether or not there's new information uh, in the latest round of allegations that are uh, expected to come out, According to Tony Busby, the lawyer uh, for the plaintiffs, um, you know, it's it, not, nothing really changes. Uh, Deshaun is still participating in the offseason program. Uh, he is still preparing to uh, start week one um, until, again, the NFL says otherwise that he's not going to start week one. That's pretty much uh, what he and the Browns really need to do. And you're right. I mean, it just basically becomes outside noise. It has become really outside noise. You talk to anyone within the organization, you talk to Deshaun's teammates, they all sing his praises, tell us what a great guy he is and, and what a positive impact he has had 
uh, on the organization in a very short amount of time, and also, too, how they are strictly focused on football. They, he, as well as them, uh, Miles Garrett said it last week, it's none of my business. Um, you know, they, they've kind of got the, uh, I don't want to say blinders. I think that that's disingenuous, but they've got, they're focused. Um, they've got a narrow focus and, uh, they're doing a fairly good job of trying to tune out the noise. Hmm. You know, and I, and as I say noise in the beginning, I don't mean just to, to uh, not, not belittling the lawsuits in any way. I just want to make sure that's, that's just, it's just, it, we're trying to find new information and we're trying to find things that. Um, and I, I shouldn't, I, I don't know that I'm trying to find, I'm waiting to hear is probably the best way. So I just want to make sure I say this correctly. We're just waiting to hear what's next. And, you know, when another lawsuit drops, it's like, okay, here we go again. Especially when you have what could be 24 by the time you're listening to this. Well, one of the things that happened last week was Rusty Harden, who's the attorney for Deshaun Watson was on our sister station, a 610, the score in Houston. And he said something that uh, sparked a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say controversy, but um, uh, shedding light. No, it sparked light controversy. Main... Yeah. All right, that's it it right sparked way. controversy. It, it, it blew up. Uh, yeah, it, it was was not a good day for the defense. Let's just put it that way. All right, let's just play it so you can hear it. I don't know how many men are out there now that have had a massage that perhaps occasionally there was a happy ending, all right? Maybe there's nobody in your listening audience that that ever happened to. I do want to point out, if it has happened, it's not a crime, okay? Unless you are paying somebody extra or so to give you some type of sexual activity, it's not a crime. And so at the end of the day, uh, that's another thing that would affect conduct. Doing something or saying something or being a way that makes you uncomfortable is not a crime. And so we've had two grand juries find that, and nobody seems to want to listen. Uh, why he went down that road, I find it interesting. But um, uh, he is correct about what he says about the grand juries. And, you know, factually, uh, from a legal standpoint, uh, he's correct. They could. There were two grand juries that did not indict. Uh, Deshaun Watson, no bill. So uh, what do we learn from this? Where does this take us uh, when you insinuate something? I, I insinuate, just talk about, I, like, bar talk, I would say, is really what he kind of threw out there on the radio. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, when people are talking about the story, that <laughs> that's kind of commonplace when they talk about the story and putting it into a street sense of, of what's alleged and what's not alleged. Daryl? Well, he issued a statement after that because it created such a firestorm on Friday. And, uh, you know, he basically said in the statement that he wasn't uh, referencing Deshaun Watson specifically, that he was trying to speak in generalities. Um, so we'll, we'll you know, leave that at that uh, at, at face value. Um, I, I'll just say that I don't think what he said helped Deshaun Watson's case because the defense uh, has been that Deshaun Watson was seeking professional massage therapy and he was not seeking anything of a sexual nature. And I don't know that the statement that was made uh, on 610 The Score aligns with that. I think that that's the best way to put that, Andy. Do I had read one 
one opinion piece on this that said maybe maybe Rusty Harden's trying to push Deshaun to settle to try to get this to get this over with before football season could start. I I I do wonder if it would be beneficial for him to settle um, if he believes that what he did wasn't wrong. Like that, I think that's the hard part about when you think about the position that Deshaun's in. That if Deshaun 100% believes he's innocent and did nothing wrong, then why would you settle? And now you start looking at uh, again not not the case itself, but the length of what a what 24 different civil suits could take up in court time is uh, I mean I, it's a, it's not it's not conceivable about how long it could take I mean I, it could take years for this thing to settle and then I guess where it comes back to us and where we talk about this is how does the league still want to look at this and if it does end up you know uh, dragging on and on and on are we going to be talking about well Deshaun could get suspended for this this week and uh there could be a longer suspension coming up like I wonder how the league is trying to tackle it if the league is trying to bundle it all together and just say okay this is where we are no matter how many civil suits there are um we want to make sure that we're coming up with with one decision at one time for all things or do they feel like they need to go back and and make decisions on every single case. And if that's the case, I, I who knows when Deshaun Watson could play. Well, the the problem for the NFL is, let's say they come out with dis- some sort of a, a discipline before training camp, right? Well, what do you right. do then if more lawsuits are filed? I mean, do do we know absolutely sure that this is the end, that this 24th lawsuit will be the end of the line? Um, my quick math, you have 24 accusers, 18 women that have said that he behaved himself. That's 42 women. That's a lot of massage therapy, uh, therapists, I should say. Right. Um, so that, that's, I think the difficult part for the league office right now. Um, and, and, and to an extent, the Browns, right? Um, are there any surprises? Because you know, Andrew Barry, uh, the Haslam's, they all said that they were comfortable. I'm paraphrasing. Want to be very clear? Kind of paraphrasing, but um, right. you know they are comfortable in the background investigation that they were able to conduct into these allegations that uh, there was nothing uh, of a criminal nature. Um, that the you know they maintain is similar to uh, Rusty Harden's defense that uh, nothing this is not a, a matter for the criminal courts this is a civil action but so you hope that none of this is really a surprise to them right that anything that comes out but um, that becomes the problem for the NFL and uh, Roger Goodell has intimated that if there is new information that comes to light that yes, the league office will look at that again. I am f- uh, I am on record. I am firmly against the NFL being able to take two bites at the same apple. If you're going to discipline him over these lawsuits, it should be, that's it. You're done. Barring only one exception, and that is that criminal conduct comes into play. As we have the conversation now, this is 100% a civil matter 
These are accusations. Uh, he is not facing any charges of any kind. We've mentioned the two grand juries have returned no bills and elected not uh, to indict or charge Deshaun Watson with a crime, and that's very important uh, to point out. So um, I, I I think that that's the, the thing. I just I don't think it's fair if the league office suspends him this year and then comes back next year as these cases go through the civil court and they say, yeah, we're going to hit you again with another suspension. I will also say that, as we've talked about, the NFL, first and foremost, is concerned about their image. That is the number one concern of the commissioner and the league office, is protecting the shield, protecting their image. And the longer this stuff is in the news, the bigger the black eye for the NFL, the bigger the perception that the NFL doesn't care about women, right? Because that's always been an accusation uh, when players have gotten themselves into trouble involving women. The perception has been, well, the NFL is just, you know, doing it for show. It's performative art when you talk about disciplining players. Longest suspensions for personal conduct policy have been like for eight to ten games. Um, and in many of those cases, those suspensions have been reduced on appeal. So, um, you know, the regardless from my standpoint of how many of these suits get filed, I don't think anything changes for the Browns. I don't think anything changes for Deshaun Watson and his teammates, but I do think there is a potential for things to change for the league office because if these are new allegations, right, we, we, we don't know, you know, we right. don't know if the Browns knew that a 23rd and a 24th suit were going to come down the pike at some point, right? Right. For all we know, uh, Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson's representation and his agent maybe made that clear to Andrew Berry and the Browns that and gave them, hey, here's the list of women that may uh, that we know of that would potentially allege misconduct against Deshaun, which of course we deny and Deshaun denies uh, having done anything wrong. But it is possible that this is what uh, could happen from an allegation standpoint. We we just we don't know if they already had a number. But if the if the NFL League office did not and was not aware of these plaintiffs, uh, these two new plaintiffs, then, you know, I, I do think it is possible that that could alter the league's timeline because they would have to do their due diligence and uh, investigate the latest claims that were made against Watson. All right, Daryl, let me just the last point on this today because I, I know we talk about Deshaun Watson. It feels like in every – in every podcast, and I think this is one of the, the good parts about doing the podcast here, is that we can kind of go behind the curtain a little bit. I mean, there is a, a point in this story for both of us, or for anybody that covers this story, that there's an ethics part of it and there's a, a journalistic part of it that I take seriously. I know you take seriously. I don't know that all of our brethren in the media, you know, uh, they, they want to get out there and just blurt out their opinion and sometimes you can get in big trouble for just doing that. And so I, I know that I'm cautious in almost every word that we talk about because I'm not a lawyer. And I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm more about trying to inform people about what the process is, what can happen next, and how this affects the Cleveland Browns and where we're going forward with this. Because I'm sure, Daryl, there are people listening right now going, man, how much longer are they going to talk about Deshaun Watson? What's new? Where's this going? So I'm just, I'm curious from your point of view, you know, your journalistic, your ethical point on covering the story itself. And, and I mean, 
because I know for me, I, I'm very careful with everything that we do with this because, you know, we have a man who is saying he didn't do anything and we have accusers that are saying he did. And to me, I'm trying to be as, as fair and balanced and trying to understand both sides. And I get sometimes get convoluted with what the lawyers are saying because the lawyers have a job and their job is to defend at all costs both sides whoever they're representing and so i think sometimes you have to you have to swim through exactly what the lawyers are saying to remember why they're saying it when they're saying it and how they're saying it yeah I, look this is not a story for hot takes okay right. and un- unfortunately in our business today uh, we're all in a rush to judgment uh we are in a uh a hot take industry right uh, right what makes headlines etc this is not one of those stories where that applies and and again it comes back to number one these are allegations that have been made there is no uh, you know there is no criminal proceeding right now regarding this um deshaun watson has uh claimed his innocence that he did not do these things that he has been accused of, right? right. Um, we only played the, the soundbite from his lawyer uh, on our sister station because it became very, very newsworthy on Friday. To be perfectly honest with you, um, heard that soundbite uh, during uh, the show. I was actually filling in for you on your show Right. And the bite was played, and I just said, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> don't want to talk about it. Don't want to go there. But when I heard it, I knew it was going to make news and it was going to make headlines. But I just, at the time, just did not want to change up the entire tenor of a show because of one soundbite uh, from Watson's uh, legal uh, attorney here. And... It, uh, it, 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 you have to handle it with kid gloves. You have to handle it ethically. Uh, and again, it's just, it's not a story to, to, to give your hot takes about what you think Deshaun Watson may or may not have done. Uh, I have, I'm to be perfectly honest with you. I have my own personal theories of what may or may not have gone down after reading all of these allegations, but I'm keeping that to myself. Because, um, again, it's not something that you speculate about. Even um, the, the only thing that, if there is room for any type of speculation, the only thing that you can speculate about is what the NFL discipline may or may not be. That's where the speculation should and has to end uh, regarding this. And, 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 and again, there's, just, there's a lot of unknowns. We weren't in the room, right? Um, only know what... It, it, is in the court filings and what's been alleged. But yeah, th- this is not one of those stories where you interject your opinion and you certainly do not express whether you feel Deshaun did or did not uh, do something uh, inappropriate. So it, it, it is a very, di- the, the subject matter, uh, I'll be honest with you, I hate talking about this. Um, you know, as we were putting the podcast uh, together, um, I was I, I just I was like yeah I I just really don't want to talk about Deshaun Watson's legal issues. Uh, it's not comfortable subject matter for me, uh, for personal reasons. Um, 
I, I set those personal reasons aside. Um, I think that Rusty Harden, for the most part, has done a, a, a solid job of defending his client outside of that flippant comment that he made on Friday to our sister station, 610 The Score in Houston. I think Tony Busby has done a uh, solid job advocating on behalf of his clients, the plaintiffs in this case. Uh, we had both of those attorneys on our station on our, our, our afternoon drive show. But yeah, it's just it is a very difficult story to cover day in and day out. There is no end in sight, barring uh, any type of a settlement from Watson, uh, as well as uh, the, the finalization of discipline coming from the league office. This is going to be a story going into 2023 and potentially even 2024, assuming that Deshaun Watson sticks to what he said from day one of becoming a Cleveland Brown, and that was that he was going to defend himself uh, to the very, very end. So we'll, we'll see if ultimately he ends up doing that. Uh, we'll see, you know, we're waiting and seeing if it ends at 24 accusers or if there ends up being more beyond that. But yeah, this is not a story for hot takes. This is not a story to tell jokes. This is not a story to uh, be flippant about. Um, these are very serious allegations that have been made. But the key word in there is that they are allegations. He's Darrell Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, well, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. And if you want to partake in the show, you can always hit us up at Game Day CLE. At Game Day CLE. All right, still more to talk about. Um, the Browns making a move at running back. We'll see what you think about that. We'll talk about that. Also, recruiting OBJ. Is that happening again? All these things coming up. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's always game day in Cleveland. Well, one of the things the Browns have going for them is running backs. We all know how good Nick Chubb is. We all know how good Kareem Hunt is. But the third running back got paid, and it's uh, interesting to see how much money he got in Dearness Johnson. Uh, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Uh, what were your thoughts when the Browns signed Dearness Johnson here this week? Um, you know, not what nine hundred thousand dollars signing bonus, and remember the number he got. It was like uh, two point four million, something like that. Yeah, I mean, not. I mean, look, he was a restricted free agent this offseason. They had to tender him. They did uh, so that they got the first right of uh, refusal. He d did not get a uh, a significant contract offer for them uh, that he agreed to. Uh, go back to. Uh, the Alex Mack situation years ago, by the way, congratulations to the uh, the former Brown Center on his yeah. uh, retirement. Salute to him. Um, but remember, he signed the offer sheet with Jacksonville 
uh, and the Browns went ahead as a restricted free agent, and the Browns matched that offer sheet. Well, uh, DeErnest did not sign an offer sheet, uh, so uh, they bring him back for $2.4 million and change, and that's what it is. Uh, when you talk about the grant, to us, $2.4 million is a lot of money, but when you're talking about the grand scheme in the National Football League, $2.4 million is like a couple of pennies in the in the swear jar. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Yeah. Um, and, I, might, I wouldn't mind swearing for $2.4 yeah. million. I got no problem <laughs> Absolutely. With that. But, um, you know, look, they, they are really loaded at running back. No question about it. He's the third man on the depth chart behind Nick Chubb, who obviously is the bell cow at number one. You've got Kareem Hunt, number two, to Ernest, number three. Uh, and then you've got uh, guys like uh, Demetric Felton and Jerome Ford, who they just drafted this year uh, in the fifth round, uh, rounding out that group. I guess we could throw John Kelly in there as well, just to be thorough. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six running backs. Uh, I don't know how many of those guys are actually going to make the team, but um, and I don't know how much room they got. I'm going to say four. I'm going to say Chubb, Hunt, Johnson, and Felton make the team. I think Jerome Ford goes to the practice squad. Uh, practice squad will be 16 players this year, so I think they get him through waivers and they put him uh, on the practice squad. So I'll go with four running backs, Cap. But uh, look, every time they put Dernis Johnson on the field, Andy, he's performed. You know, let's be honest about it. He's not gotten a ton of carries, uh, under 140 career carries for him but 100 of those carries came a year ago and he's averaging over five yards a carry does that sound familiar to you they got two other guys named uh kareem hunt and nick chubb that also have averages of around five yards a carry so when he has gotten his opportunities he has been a productive player which is why they uh you know uh, tendered that uh first right of refusal this offseason as a restricted free agent. Now, if if he got, you know, a multi-year contract, at, you know, $12, $14, 15000000 million, I, I don't necessarily think that the Browns would have matched that, but he's going to cost, uh, you know, about $2.4 bucks this year. So, again, dropping the bucket, not a big deal, but glad he's back because he is a very good football player. So when we look at – and you – like, the first thing I think of is, okay, you're going to sign him. That means you've got three, and you're going to stick with those three, right? Unless, for some reason, the Browns decide to trade Kareem Hunt, which I I don't I, I really hope doesn't happen. But, but now you're could. looking at the roster – yeah, I know. But you're, you're looking at the roster game, and I love to play this game with Jeff, and he just never wants to go down this road. So I think you'll go down the game with me. You're sitting here saying we're probably going to keep five running backs – especially because Demetri Felton is, is very, very um, talented on special teams too, right? So, yeah, I mean, he's your backup guy, probably his kick returner and punt returner. So, and and if you think Ford is going back, so, okay, let's say you keep four, just like you said. I think they're keeping four. Okay, they keep four. Where do you make up for that? Because in the past, you know, I can think back to times last year where they were real thin on defensive line as far as active game day depth was. Uh, happens because they were heavy at wide receiver or because they were heavy at defensive back so if you're going to keep four running backs how many wide receivers are you going to keep and the other magic question in a Kevin Stefanski offense how many tight ends are you going to keep you keep six receivers that's the magic number there I think you keep one less tight end and your extra tight ends end up on the practice squad so 
David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, those are your top two tight ends. And then your, I think your third tight end ends up on the practice squad and, uh, you know, you potentially elevate him for uh, game day. But um, I think that that's where on the roster you make up for that extra running back that gets kept. Because remember, he loves the fullback, so Johnny Stanton is your fullback right now. Uh, he'll make the team. So that's actually five players in your backfield. That's why I say they'll keep four running backs because your fifth back becomes Johnny Stanton, uh, who's your fullback. So it just it, it makes sense that that's ultimately what those you know how those numbers play out. And then the, and then the other reason why you bring to Ernest Johnson back. And again, you hate to think in these terms, but. To your point about last season and how thin they got at the position real quick. And that's always a concern. So it just it made sense to bring him back this year uh, as a restricted free agent. So do you, are you saying, though, that we're looking at uh, possibility of only two wide receiver spots really being up for grabs? Well, I don't think any this. wide receiver spots are up for grabs, to be honest with you. You receive well, okay, so Donovan, let, well, let me lay Jones, this out. Hey, hey, okay, Peoples-Jones, Cooper, Amari Bell, Cooper, that's three. David Bell, Schwartz for four. Anthony okay. Schwartz, we're up to four. Jakeem Grant is your fifth. And then uh, you, you have only one spot that's up for grabs, and it's Jamarcus Bradley. It's Michael Woods, who you drafted this year. It's Javon Wims. Um, Weston in there, and I think they got one more on the roster too. They got uh, his name escapes me at the moment, but I Mike Hartley or uh, oh. Travell Harris. Yeah, so you've got one spot I think that is legit up for grabs, and then Demetric Felton. He could uh, maybe none of those guys make it because Demetric Felton is your sixth receiver or your seventh receiver right so right. um it's that the first five spots are spoken for there's only one wide receiver job that's uh, legit up for grabs come training camp I do think they have a little bit of playroom with Jakeem Grant because if you want to just kind of feel confident that you, I mean obviously he's going to be an integral part of special teams you know and but so, he's going to get used offensively too they're not going to overuse him but you're going to see Jakeem Grant get some opportunities within this offense Okay, but I do think you can kind of hide him there. I mean, if you, instead of saying, you know, okay, we're going to list him as our and, – and this is all listing thing. It's not really end of the world. But I do think that, you know, you could do that if you wanted to keep him. Then maybe you keep one of these other guys. If somebody jumps off the page during camp. Well, but the we are talking guy about you're keeping is Demetric Felton. So, you know, because Felton is your fourth running back slash seventh wide receiver. And can return kicks too. Right, yeah, you can do both. But it, but so, I'm just saying, when you're talking roster construction, all right, you don't yeah. you don't have a specific position for your returner on the roster. Your returner is not taking up a roster spot. He's either a a, a receiver, a tight. He's a skill position guy, receiver, tight end, running back. Right. So you right. don't have to dedicate a roster spot to your returner like you do a long snapper, a punter, or a kicker. So. Kicker. Um, that, that's why I say I think they keep six uh, receivers. 
They keep four running backs. I classified Demetric Felton as a running back, as being that fourth running back, and he gives you the option of being that seventh wide receiver because he does uh, spend a lot of time uh, working with those receivers uh, as well. So, and, and last year, a lot of his playing time, uh, what little he did get, his playing time came at receiver and not running back. All right, so while we're talking about wide receivers, we'll wrap up the conversation with this because I think it's kind of funny. Miles Garrett was, like, openly recruiting OBJ to come back on Instagram over the weekend. Yeah, uh, that ain't happening. I don't think OBJ's coming back. I don't think there's any reason for OBJ to come back. There's no room for OBJ on the roster, number one. And number two, OBJ can't help this team until January. So uh, it it makes for uh, some fun clicks for uh, aggregators out there, but I just there I don't think that there's a lot of reality to it because again, there's there's just there's no room. Uh, we just ran through the. But if the he was healthy, they, if he was healthy and wanted to come back, they could find a way to make it happen. If Somebody I had a million dollars, about. Andy, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah, but if, yeah, if but he was healthy, just... <laughs> if he was healthy, you would find a different path and say, hey, you know, we're glad we dra- uh, we're glad we. You know, Anthony, it's been great. I know we drafted you in the third round last year, but, uh, you know, OBJ's healthy. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he's not healthy, and so that, um, you know, that's – Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It, it, <laughs> that's it's the always get. <laughs> I it's live always... in this little world called reality. I'm sorry. Yes, sometimes you do. I've listened to some of the things you've said. In fact, I want to hear more about your reality, and I think we can give folks kind of a behind-the-scenes look at – what really happens at Browns camp, especially when it comes from not only camp, but during the season two, what, what's behind the scenes at media when it comes to the Cleveland Browns? Like what is the day-to-day routine? Daryl lives it every day. I've done it plenty of times uh, in my career as, as I've covered this team from many different uh, seats. And what's it like to sit in those shoes? You want to find out? You continue listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. We'll talk about that next. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the feed. It's always game day in Cleveland. We love having you on board. Don't be afraid to give us 10,000 stars wherever podcasts are available. I know I've seen a couple of stars, and I'm pretty happy with the way things have started so far. But that's a little behind-the-scenes look. So when we give you the the behind-the-scenes look, you're getting it. And Daryl's going to give it to us right now, too. And we're going to talk about what it's like to cover this team on a daily basis. And – you know, there are different phases of what you're covering. There's training camp, there's OTAs, there's preseason, there's regular season, and then there's the kind of off season where there's just, you know, you're not actually going to Berea and you're still, if something breaks, you're all a part of it. Daryl, I, I mean, you've lived this for, what, a better part of at least uh, 11 years now with us at the radio station, and we've been doing this for a long time. We've talked about it on TV. We've done a lot of things that, that – the Browns have, uh, you know, everything the Browns have done for almost the last two decades between the two of us. I- I'm just curious, your thoughts on covering the team, what it's like to cover the team, and, and what people need to know about the, the beat reporters uh, of the Cleveland Browns. Do you want the honest <laughs> of what it's like covering the team? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really – I really don't want the BS. I really It is want... a never-ending, soul-sucking experience. I'm kidding. Um – I, look, there's never a dull moment. Um, no question about it. The great thing about covering the Cleveland Browns is there is always a story. Just the, whether it's uh, the starting quarterback, and it usually involves 
uh, the starting quarterback in some way, shape, or form because for years and years, every year, we'd spend the offseason getting to know the new quarterback for that year or quarterbacks. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, in recent years now, the, the, uh, the pinnacle of the off season has kind of moved and migrated from the NFL draft, which used to be the Super Bowl for fans, right? Like that was the only glimmer of hope, uh, for fans was the draft and the potential of whatever prospects that were selected to now, uh, the focus is on the season and uh, you know fans having the hope and belief um, that this team can contend and potentially uh, make the postseason so that for me is a welcome change because um, I, I you know there is not a lot of fun covering a team that is a perennial loser year in and year out sure you meet a lot of players uh, the vast majority of them are just great human beings and great guys to talk to but it's just it's not a lot of fun talking to guys when you're constantly having to ask them questions that have a negative tone and when the team is losing unfortunately a lot of those questions especially during the season happen to have a negative tone what went wrong why did it go wrong and you know how did you see things and you know stuff like that so that's that's you know not a lot of fun uh, to do year in and year out and for guys that end up with the team for long periods of time that also kind of wears on them a little bit too right you know every season kind of repeating the this the same old thing over and over but yeah I mean there's just there's never a shortage of things to talk about when it comes to the Cleveland Browns part of the reason why uh, we get to do this podcast with you uh it's always game day in Cleveland but um, it, it, it's, you know, day to day, it's, it's rarely a dull moment. Rarely do I, uh, leave a media availability thinking to myself, what on earth am I going to, you know, write about to fill cyberspace today? Because a lot of the times, Andy, the stories, they just, they write themselves. It is. It, it, I always find it fascinating when we talk about the Browns, because the realistic part of it is they only play now 17 games a year. And only I, I on the outside, well, well, I'm saying when you cover other teams that play 82 or 162 games, like the storylines are different because you're always constantly talking about the game. Where the Browns, you find yourself talking about a lot of things other than the game because those stories drive what happens during the week. You know, it's it, you know, quarterbacks talk on Wednesday, just little things like that. And I, I've like I've always been fascinated by that, and I I think it started for me probably when I was covering University of Montana football. You know, it's just like how do you make this? How do you make a story as you lead up to a game day? You know, last for a whole week, and and so, but I don't know that that's the case with the Browns because it always seems to be something here or something there. I, and you know, there is a there is a side of the media here too that in some ways can be very cutthroat. People trying to get stories, um, how they get them, I think sometimes is 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 a podcast unto itself. I'd love to hear some retired uh, Browns beat reporters talk about how they got stories sometimes. And you know, I, I and I see the Browns so from so many different perspectives, from being out there every day to you know sitting in an ivory tower like we are now because it's difficult when a team practices as has availability while you're on the air. And I, I call that ivory tower radio where I just sit back and listen <laughs> to what people are saying 
right? And trying to rather than and so I have great respect for everybody that's sitting in that room, uh, asking questions during the press conference because Jeff and I are not sitting in that same situation. We're listening. We're in the ivory tower, and you know we're not turning stories every day on the team on our website, and we're not you know we're not beat reporters. We're kind of you know big picture guys on this, almost to the to the thought, of, and I kind of liken it to when I was a kid. You know, just reading the newspaper when it comes to the difference between beat reporters and columnists. And, like, in a lot of ways now, I feel like I'm in a columnist role and not in a beat reporter role, even though we're still listening to what they're saying. But we have no influence on the question, so I can't really sit here and say that. And yet I still have sources. I still talk to people. I still know some things that are going on. But, you know, when it comes to it and covering this team, there are different levels of covering the team. And how it happens, but I mean, what Daryl, what you do, and I say this out of respect, is man, you do the hardest lifting that there is, especially at our station, when it comes to this team and making sure that fans know what's going on and that we're the conduit between the team and the fans. Well, I mean, uh, you know, you look over the years, right? I mean, they've had, uh, it's been a never ending uh, carousel for years and years and years at all levels of the organization. Um, you know, many off seasons are spent just introducing ourselves to people, right. <laughs> and right. getting to know year them after year, year, yeah. after year. So after year. let me explain to you how crazy it is to keep track of this stuff. I created a spreadsheet called the Browns bleep sheet, and I'm sure you okay. can figure out what adjective I have <laughs> used in there. And basically what it is, it is a spreadsheet that I created, one uh, for the quarterbacks. Uh, Another page in the spreadsheet is head coaches, offensive, defensive coordinators, their records, the general managers, and ownership. Another tab is also a comparison within the division of – teams head coaches their offensive and defensive coordinators and records and then I have another page (laughs) of the spreadsheet that is uh basically draft picks that have washed out as well as pro bowlers that the team has selected and the reason that I created this spreadsheet was that Again, because it was just such a never-ending, revolving carousel of people, I got tired of looking this stuff up every year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. Here comes Nick Mullins. He is the insert number here starting quarterback of the Browns since 1999. The answer you're looking for, ladies and gentlemen, is 33. 33 different starting quarterbacks since 1999. And then also, you know, uh, week one starters, right? Your opening day starters. Uh, and, and again, with the quarterbacks, I not only list the quarterbacks for each season, but in parentheses, I put their records so that it would be faster for me to look up, right? Uh, as, you know, Baker Mayfield went through his consecutive starts. He made 53 consecutive starts including the playoffs, and believe it or not, that was the second most in franchise history. Yes, you heard me right. Wow. 53 consecutive starts for Baker Mayfield, including the playoffs, was the second most in franchise history behind none other than Brian uh, Sipe, uh. 
who made 71 straight starts between uh, 78 and 82, including playoffs. So just little nuggets like that, right? Or, right. you know, non-starters that took snaps for the team uh, it, within those seasons as well. So, you know, to keep track of all of these people, yeah, I, 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 had, I basically had to create a spreadsheet because it just it became such a chore year in and year out looking up records of quarterbacks and number of starters and all those type of things. It just became easier. Well, hey, I got the spreadsheet. And then every offseason, I have to remember to update said spreadsheet. Uh, I usually take a day or two to go through and update all the information on that spreadsheet so that it's accurate and ready to go uh, for the for the upcoming season. But, yeah, I mean. You should uh, sell that. You should sell that. <laughs> I will just say this. it's It's been a very helpful resource in the media room. All right, Daryl. Uh, stuff coming up this week. We've got the Browns golf outing and then a vi- uh, media availability uh, midweek as usual. Um, I, I, outside of Deshaun Watson, I'm not quite sure what this week is going to bring us. Any thoughts on that? Uh, we always hope for a quiet week, which means it's not going to happen, (laughs) but you know what? We, we should be able to have a lot of great conversation. We'll get to visit, uh, with players, uh, at the, at the team's annual, uh, charity golf outing. Um, they've got, uh, their final OTA, uh, media availability. And of course, next week it's mandatory mini camp already, Uh believe it or not. I mean, we're, and then after that school's out for summer. So uh, looking forward to getting some vacation time in there. But, yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be another busy week covering the Cleveland Browns. That's for sure. So, wait, we'll be talking about whether Baker Mayfield needs to be here or not next week? Um, I hopefully will have some clarity on that situation by the end of the week, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Boom. There you go. All right, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin for our producer, Meredith Kane who is outstanding. Thank you very much, Meredith. We appreciate you. You know you can be a part of this. All you have to do is go to at Game Day CLE. We always invite you to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. We appreciate you very much for listening, and we'll be back later in the week. All right, it's always Game Day in Cleveland.